0: We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to tune in and listen to the Brotherhood Breakfast from December with Pastor Willie George. If you were there, you know it's always a treat to hear from from him. He always has a strong word to bring to the Brotherhood, and this breakfast was no exception. He spoke about the men of Issachar and hearing from God, which I think is a very timely message for what we're going through right now. So let's go ahead and listen to his message to the Brotherhood. I want to talk to you today about the wise men of Issachar. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, Scripture says, And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. This verse was written when Israel was in a real transition crisis. There was a real difficult situation in the country. King Saul was dead, been killed in battle And there was a real leadership vacuum. And even though King Saul and his sons were dead, um, they still left in place a power structure. There were lots of generals, people in power, people who'd supported the king, who didn't want to give up their positions. And there were men of the children of Issachar who would have normally been for Saul who broke ranks and said, no, we can't go with King Saul because it's obvious to us that the hand of God's not on him. We've had a guy in our midst who has been persecuted, hounded relentlessly for the last several years that God has chosen. It's obvious that God put his hand on this man, and we're going for David. And so that's what the Scripture means when it says there were men of the children of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel had to do the reason saul didn't make it was because he lost his ability to hear from god he lost all ability to hear from god and i want to read to you first samuel chapter 28 verse 4 through 7 it says the philistines gathered themselves together and when saul saw the host of the philistines he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then Saul said unto his servants, Seek me a woman that has a familiar spirit, that I may go to her. So when God refused to answer him, he went to a witch. It is for this reason that God permitted King Saul to be killed. I am really struck Today, by how many well known ministers ridicule the idea that a person can hear from God? I'm talking about guys who can preach very well, who are great at communicating. But when someone else says, I heard the voice of the Lord, I heard from God, they ridicule them. And I'm well aware of the abuse. I I think on the other side of the ditch, you got people who hear from God every 15 minutes. And I want to say something about that. Do I believe that? No, I don't believe people hear from God every 15 minutes, all day long, every day. You know, I think people imagine that. And, And I do think you can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But let me just say something. If you objected to people driving in the ditch, and you saw them going down the interstate, and they're driving to Oklahoma City in the ditches, and just going up over all the obstacles, and around drainage pipes, and all that kind of stuff, and you ridicule it, how do you fix it? Do you drive in the ditch in the center? Do you go to the other side of the road and drive in that ditch? No. You get in the middle. And so people who say, ah, oh, these people say they hear from God don't believe in that stuff at all. They hear from God all the time. But so what's your answer? Well, we don't hear from God at all. And I'm going to tell you something. This is a dangerous time to be living in without the ability to hear from God. God had stopped communicating with Saul for one simple reason. Saul had stopped obeying the commandment of the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 13, God said to him through the prophet Samuel, You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Now, now listen carefully what I'm about to say. Saul had let go. Of something that had been given to him, as opposed to not attaining something that he had not yet received. I gotta tell you, Diliva and I were talking about this the other day about how many fellow ministers we started out with who were blessed of God, who had God's hand on their lives, that crashed and burned. And the reason that they crashed and burned was not because they just couldn't quite attain to the next new thing that God gave them. That isn't the reason they failed. They failed because they had not kept what God had given them in the first place. And that's why King Saul was rejected. God was so good to Saul God didn't reject him immediately. God gave him every chance in the world. If you you read carefully the story of David and Goliath, you're going to see that for two times every day, the giant came onto the battlefield and he cursed Israel by his gods. And it happened for 40 days, 40 days, 40 nights. Forty in the Bible is always a number associated with probation, Here's here's a test. I'm going to give you a little chance to prove what's in you. Jesus went out into the wilderness, and how many days did he fast? He was being tested, tempted in all points like we are. How many days did it last? Forty. Forty is always associated with temptation. Not temptation to do evil, but do you have the goods? David wasn't there for 40 days. David wasn't under a test for 40 days. He killed the giant the first day that he showed up. The person who was being tested when Goliath came out was Saul. And when Goliath came out and said, send me out a champion, send me out a man to fight, he was actually calling for Saul. And for 40 days and 40 nights, Saul refused to go. God didn't send David till the 40 days was up because he gave Saul every chance in the world to be the man It was God's preference that Saul go out and kill the giant. And he could have, but he didn't. And it's because of something that he had not kept, not something that he had not attained to. As I think back about these ministers, and I don't want to mention any names, it really doesn't matter, uh, but in every case they failed because they didn't continue in the way they began, not because they failed to attain some new grace. It's good to hear from God. Now, I would say this, it's important to have wise counsel. And you know, if you grow up in a community, I I think about my sons, they've had an opportunity to grow up in community. When they had their bachelor parties, they got married, they had all of these kids that they'd grown up in church with, great friends and all that. I didn't have that luxury. I was pretty much alone growing up in the church. I had an uncle that I looked up to, but I didn't have many peers around me who could help me. I didn't have brothers for counsel. And the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And it's good to be able to pick up the phone, call somebody and say, hey, what do you think about this? Can I bounce this off of you? And all those things are important. But I can tell you this sooner or later, you're going to have to hear from God. You're going to have to develop a confidence in your own ability to know what God wants you to do. Because there are some things that you cannot, will not do until you've heard from God. I was kneeling on our bed. Witt was in the other room. I just put him to bed. He was asleep. The believe was at a ladies' meeting at the church. This was in Plainview, Texas in 1978. And As I was praying there, I saw myself on television preaching to kids, and I knew it was going to go all over America. God just dropped that in my heart. I had no idea how it was going to happen. There wasn't a single TV camera of any kind in Plainview, Texas in those days. I didn't know anybody who had TV cameras. But four years later, we launched the Gospel Bill Show. I saw it years before we actually did it. It was because God spoke to me. I came home from Thanksgiving break early in 1985 because I had walked over a piece of ground. Actually, I had toured several pieces of ground but I walked over one in particular that I thought might be a place to have a camp. And I had to find out, is this what God wants me to do? I told my wife, I said, I'd love to have that steak you're cooking, but I can't eat tonight. I have to pray. And I got on my face before God and prayed in the Holy Spirit. And I heard the Lord tell me to go build Dry Goat USA. The same Lord, years later, told me it was time to let it go, and time to, to sell it, and let it be a blessing to church on the move. So I heard from God twice about Dry Gulch USA. I heard from God in the middle of the night about Christmas Train. At the time, we might have had five to 7,000 people a year at Dry Gulch USA. In the middle of the night, the Lord spoke to me, and I heard him say, if you do what I tell you to do, you'll have 50,000 people at Dry Goals this December. I did it, and we had the 50,000 people. And every year we ran the train, we had the 50,000 people. In fact, in 17 seasons of operations, if you count all the volunteers who came and everybody who had a part, because they were ministered to as much as the guests, we had a million people who came through our doors. It was a great blessing I heard from God. I heard from God in 1987. I started the year knowing I was missing something. God wanted me to do something, and I didn't know what it was. And I prayed and sought God for about four months, and finally in the month of April I began to realize God wants me to start a church. And I started church on the move on the worst possible weekend of the year to start a church, the 4th of July weekend. But it was right. I heard from God. There are times when you have to hear from God. You may not hear from God every day, every week, every month, but you have to have those times where you know that you know. Sometimes God speaks to me in a voice. I'll hear an inward voice. Not often, but I do hear it from time to time. Very often I will be directed to a scripture. I will hear a scripture reference or a verse will come to me. And I'll know that's God speaking. And then sometimes I just know. I can't even tell you how I know. I just know. That's how I got my call to preach when I first got saved in 1970. I was going to be a football coach. But before I could become a football coach in that spring of my junior year, I said, i got to be a pastor. Someone said, when did it come? I can't tell you when it came. I don't know. I just knew. I'm going to be a pastor. That's what's going to happen. I, I, I have to be a pastor. That's what I'm supposed to be. It's what I want to be. I had a knowing. So there are any number of ways that God speaks to us, but you have to be able to hear from God. The men of Issachar were able to discern the times and the seasons, and they saw that Israel was in a very difficult position because it faced an existential threat from the Philistines. The Philistines were very dominant and very intrusive. They came into Israel for the purpose of weakening Israel. And You know what they did? They took away all of the men who could work with iron. So that when Israel went to battle, the only two men who held swords were King Saul and his son Jonathan. No one had an iron spearhead. No one had an iron sword. All of the blacksmiths were taken away. There was no smith anywhere in the land of Israel. It was an existential threat. In other words, it wasn't just about getting along. The Philistine idea of getting along with Israel was to wipe them out. And the men of Issachar knew that there had to be an answer Another translation says this, and the children of Issachar and of the children of Issachar were men who understood statesmanship. There's a big difference between politics and statesmanship. In politics, it's all about advancing a political party. The men of Issachar understood statesmanship, they were not politicians. Tom Colburn, who was a doctor from Muskogee, I think is one of the great examples we've had nearby of a statesman. Tom Colburn told people when he was first elected to Congress that he was only going to serve a couple of terms. He did. He went for his two terms and he didn't run again. He stayed true to his word. That's statesmanship. You see, a, statesmanship, a statesman will make an unpopular decision because it's right, even though it may cost him in the future his political office. It may make him unpopular. 32 years ago, this very moment, I made a decision in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to speak out against something that I saw. I knew it was not going to be popular, and boy, was I right. I saw in one of the meetings that our church people had gone to. I would have been there had I been in town. But I saw on a video a woman praying for another woman and through sleight of hand put feathers on the woman's shoulder, pretended not to see it, took everybody's eyes away from it, had everybody praising God, then turns around, walks back, spots the feathers, and said, look, there are feathers on your shoulder. What does it mean? The dove of the Holy Spirit has just flown and dropped his approval on you." You could see clear as a bell. It was completely phony. The woman was a mystic. Now, she did bleed from her hands, and it was real, but demonic, not by the Holy Ghost. And this woman was sweeping through the churches in America. Loads of very well-known ministers believed in her. Our church was in tumult over what do we believe about this. We sent our people, and they came back confused. And they said, is this the new sign of God? One of the church's greatest leaders, not church on the move, but in the world, pounded his pulpit and said, if you don't go along with this, you will miss the next move of God. And I thought, is God so desperate that we have to use lies to further his cause? I made a video. I appealed to four major leaders and asked them to join me behind the scenes. None of them would do it. And so I spoke out and I got barbecued. I got blistered on national television. I got blistered by well known men of God and pulpits all over America. But I told my wife, if this is what our movement is about, then I will run with another group. I'm going to stand up because this is right. That was the making of Willie George. God put his blessing on our church and made us a lighthouse because I determined to have a backbone. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I went through it. Now about 30, 45 days passed and the word began to get out around America and pastor after pastor began to say, hey, that lady came to my church and you won't believe the fraud I caught her in. And before you know it, I was a hero, but it didn't start out that way. Most of the voices I heard in the beginning were not positive. There were a few, and I'll always be grateful to those guys. Now, the men of Issachar understood statesmanship. They understood that they were in a critical time, and they understood that it was time to stand up for the things that had made them who they were. The Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28, Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. They say that the men of Issachar were country boys. They came from the middle of Israel. They didn't live on the coast. They were not coastal elites. They were not the cosmopolitan people of the day. They didn't have any large cities, but they were steeped in agriculture And they thoroughly understood how to plant crops and how to get the best harvest. They understood by the stars and the alignment of the planets, when to put your wheat seed in the ground, when to do this. And people all over Israel would come to them and say, how do we do this? And they were able to show them because they had a great understanding of how natural laws worked. And this is why they were so wise. They understood that the natural laws were only a reflection of the spiritual laws that God had given to the country. And so they didn't budge. And we're living in a time when everything we've believed and everything we've held dear is being questioned. Why would anyone want to move an ancient boundary stone anyway? Three reasons. There are those who want to move the boundary stones because they're greedy. We have a piece of property that we use as a retreat, and one of our neighbors is greedy. There was a time when the county abandoned a county road between our ranch and his ranch long before we owned it. And normally you would take right down the middle, and half goes to one landowner and half to the other, but he took the whole thing. He was a cursed man. You see, you don't move the boundary stones and get by with it. Others move the boundary stones and they tolerate it because they don't want to rock the boat. They are willing to allow boundaries to be moved because they don't like conflict, and they will avoid conflict at any cost. To some people, conflict is a sure mark of error. If that was the case, David was the worst king that Israel ever had. Did you know that over 25 times, David had to face a betrayal or an insurrection against his leadership? Do you know that not one time did anyone rise up against King Saul? None. Who was the man after God's own heart? Who was the righteous king? As you read through the book of Acts, you will read, and you will read it in his epistles, that the apostle Paul experienced persecution everywhere he went, more than James, more than Peter, more than any of the twelve. Jesus, minding his own business, would go into a synagogue, and only when Jesus came did the demon-possessed man begin to yell and scream while he was there. Why? Because they all carried an authority that was threatening to the power of darkness. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you realize or not, gentlemen, don't see any ladies. We're under threat. This country is under threat right now. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying, wake up. Understand some of the issues. And I guess the best way for me to help you to remember it is to hold up my hand. And I'm going to start down here with a pinky. Since 1973, legally, 60 million little babies have been killed in this country. The Bible speaks very clearly To the fact that you don't shed innocent blood we have now an opportunity before us to undo this it is a very serious issue it is not just a political position it is life and death then there's the ring finger we are now in an era when everything we were taught by God about marriage and sexuality is under assault. And it isn't content just to allow people to do what they want to do. It wants to come knocking at your door. There are politicians in our country who want to force churches into embracing same-sex marriage. Let me tell you what happened in Canada, our neighbor to the north. A dad objected to the fact that his 14-year-old daughter wanted to be identified as a male, and she wanted to begin to receive hormone therapy to change her body. And dad disagreed. But the girl took him to court, her own father, and the court ruled that dad could not only stop the hormone therapy, but he had to refer to his daughter as a male. He could never again call her by her birth name, nor refer to her as his daughter, even in his own home, and would be thrown in jail if he broke the law. What just happened in the last year or so in Norway is even more absurd. You cannot even make a comment or read a scripture that disapproves of someone's sexual orientation without facing from one to three years in prison. You think it won't come to the United States? Don't bury your head. We are facing some issues with the ring finger. (sighs) The middle finger. A lot of people don't see this, and I don't know why. China is the world's greatest threat to peace and to the gospel of peace. China is openly intruding into the affairs of other nations. In their own country, they are persecuting the church in unprecedented ways. It's even worse than it was in the Cultural Revolution under Mao. It is against the law in China for any parent to talk to a child below the age of 18 about Jesus Christ. They are throwing people in prison. The religious persecution is rampant. They've been on a tear the last two years to take the crosses off of churches. But they're not content to do this only in their country. They want to take over the world. Listen to some of the experts who will tell you not only does China want to be the number one power in the world, they want the moon they have designs on going to the moon, and it is said that the world's first trillionaire will be the man who begins to mine minerals on the moon and bring them back. China wants to make the moon off limits to everybody else. Now, if I'm wrong, a few years will prove me wrong. But look at what's happening. Somebody needs to stand up to China, they're going to have a time of power but they've jumped the gun. Their time is not yet, but they want it to be. Here's the index finger. What God wants for the world is freedom of the gospel, which means freedom of travel and freedom of restrictions. And I'm going to tell you something. It's so very important that the right people be in power so we don't shut down the flow of the gospel. God put his hand on this nation Robert Henry, minister who landed on the shores of Virginia to help found the Jamestown colony in 1607. I want you to listen to what the man said and what he wrote. I said, Robert Hunt. He said, the gospel will go forth from these shores, not only to this land, but to all nations of the earth. There's a lot of stuff about America that's not perfect hasn't been perfect. We've done a lot of shameful things. You know what I know? I have watched prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting for the last 25 years where Christians have repented and asked God's forgiveness for the way we've treated different people in this country. How long do we go before we realize, okay, God heard the prayer We've had flaws, but let's do the right thing. God raised up Israel to give us the gospel, but no country in the history of the world has done more to proclaim the gospel around the world than America. America needs to continue to be great for the sake of the story of Jesus Christ. And then finally, there is the thumb. The Bible says in Psalm 135, 4, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his special treasure. When you hold up your fingers and you look at the thumb as opposed to the others, it's not like the others. And that's why God picked Israel is so that they wouldn't be like the others. God wanted a nation that would reflect him live his laws did they always measure up no they did not and there are loads of people who would say well god's done with Israel i want to read to you let god speak Psalm 105, verses 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Oh, seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are on all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment of your inheritance. In the New Testament in the book of Romans chapter 11, it says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Romans 11, 1, the answer is, certainly not. The apostle Paul acknowledges later on in that chapter, verses 28 and 29, concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they're beloved for the sake of the fathers. And then he says this, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. You want to know why I vote the way I do? You want to know why, why I pray the way that I do? Has to do with these things. Has nothing to do with personality. Personality separate personality from politics look at the platform the position one mother not long ago asked candidate biden my daughter she said proudly is eight years old she's transgender and the candidate said if i'm elected i will see to it that she can legally get hormone therapy to change her sex eight years old It's not about politics. There was a day when it was about politics. There was a day when there wasn't a dime's worth of difference between one party or the other. And I've already told you earlier, just because you belong to a certain political party doesn't guarantee that you stand on the right side of things. It has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with honoring God and not moving the ancient boundaries. What would the men of Issachar do? Number one, they would double down in their purpose to live by the laws of God. They wouldn't just say, hey, I believe this. They would find out why they believe it. They would read the scriptures and find out why God said, thou shalt not steal. When God said thou shalt not steal, he wasn't just being bossy. God was laying down a law that would enable society to function. If I steal your stuff... We can't get along. If I steal your stuff, I don't respect you. If I take your things away, I am showing you that I have no value for you at all. That's thou shalt not steal. So that shows me something about the character of God. God wants me to respect you. God wants me to treat you with fairness. God wants me to exalt you. God doesn't want me to take advantage of you. That's the reason we read thou shalt not steal. When we read the commandments, there's something much deeper behind those commandments. You have to know that so you can explain it to your children. Number two, the men of Issachar in America would learn to vote for ideas instead of being caught up in politics and personality. I want to know what you really believe. What do you stand for? Finally, the men of Issachar would recognize when the war is raging. I cannot tell you a time in my lifetime that I have felt more spiritual war than I have in the last 90 days. There is a battle raging for the soul of this nation in the atmosphere, and it will be won in the atmosphere. And that's why it's important to learn to pray. And there are days when I am burdened. I have no idea what to pray for. Sometimes I do. I say, Holy Spirit, give me utterance. And I can do it while I'm working. I had to move my mother-in-law's stuff out of her home. She passed away. And the whole time I was working, loading, moving, cleaning, all of that, I'm praying in the Spirit. I spent a whole day in prayer, but yet I was on my feet. You can do both. So what I would say to you is, be a man of Issachar. Understand the times. When you understand the times, you know what we're supposed to do. And I have all the confidence in the world that if enough people will call to God, amazing things will happen. I have great hope for this nation, and I'm going to tell you why. It has been prophesied for years that we were to have a great revival. We hadn't seen it yet. It's not just for this country, it's to go around the world. We haven't seen it yet, but it's coming. And it will not come if we are restricted, harassed, persecuted, thwarted, defamed. It's going to come because we're free. Thank you very much.